For Your Information is brought to you by A24 Vibes, providing you a go-to statement to describe any weird movie since 2012. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. That's cultural, you know. We sick our elders in nursing homes. I'm sure they find that disturbing. Welcome to For Your Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach Graham. And John Kaplan. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Tim Johnson from the Mother-in-Law Suite podcast. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you. T- we met Tim on Discord, and uh, we really, really liked his podcast, so we asked him to come on. Uh, he's a big fan of A24 movies, is that correct? Yes. Very. My favorite my favorite production company. I love these guys. They do put out some fantastic content, and we've honestly been w- meaning to do this movie for a while, so uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times, like dancing around the folk horror genre, and uh, with that introduction, it's all come down to this. We're finally doing it. Midsummer from 2019. I love folk horror. I love how they made an entire genre of movies about what happened when Bob Dylan whipped out the Stratocaster at the Newport Folk Festival. <laughs> That's really great. I'm really glad that they encapsulated his like uh you know dismay at what happened there and made a whole film genre about it it does weird me out how people were so upset by that that they just started throwing things at him like you ruined folk and it's like he was never folk no not really i mean you know what is folk is this folk is this folk is this uh is this lost <laughs> is it's everything we're doing folk is it it could be except anti-folk you know if we wanted to get into some uh, juno vibes we could do some anti-folk jesus christ Right. So um, on another note, uh, just public service announcement to anybody out there listening to the podcast. um, If you hypothetically find yourself in a situation where you are on a movie podcast, just know that you could be somebody that has a podcast that's completely not movie related at all. And you would still be better suited to be on this podcast with movie knowledge than I am, because uh, Tim has a completely different format for his podcast that he is far better versed in film than I am. (laughs) Yes. So let's get into the meat of the show. Tim, you've seen Midsommar, correct? Yes. Yes, I have. All right. So we are in the camp of people who actually, you know, bother to watch movies. John is in the other camp of like, I literally have to beat him over the head to watch a movie. So John, what the fuck is up? You got two people on air calling you out now. How have you never seen Midsummer? Yeah, bro. This is a great question because it is super up my alley. Uh, this is the type of movie that I like. Like it's kind of delightfully weird and kind of freaky and like kind of deep. And like, you know, it's like aesthetically pleasing. Like there's nothing about this movie that I disliked. Like I thought it was really 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 good and i knew it was good i just never got around to like watching it like it kind of gave me like wicker man vibes which is really cool but like when this came out i I think this came out around the time we had started the podcast in one of our earlier episodes was the wicker man and somehow i still managed to not see this movie around that time even though i really liked both versions of the wicker man (laughs) so like I, I, I don't have it. I don't have a reason. I, I, I don't. I sent me to jail. <laughs> I mean, I, I can understand it because this is a newer movie. So like sometimes, especially with newer movies, like you can't see 
all of them. So, you know, you kind of have to come back to it. So this one, I could understand a little more. It's just like, I know that I personally started hyping this up for you after I saw it in 2019. I was like, John, you have to see this. Mm. Yeah, and I should have. But that's okay. You've seen it now. Um, How did you feel about it? I thought it was spectacular. Uh, Like I touched on earlier, I mean, like, it's so aesthetically pleasing. Like, it's just, it's such a well shot movie. The acting is really good. It's not overdone. You kind of get a good sense for the relationships, even though they're kind of complicated and otherworldly in some cases. So I think that maybe is the thing that I like most about this is they managed to take something that's like so human that it's literally just people and nature living together and make it so otherworldly, inhuman, supernatural. But there's nothing supernatural happening. Like there's no ghosts. There's no aliens. There's no Bigfoot. Like a lot of the movies that we do, uh, like we'll have other stuff like that in there or it'll be like, it's fantasy. It's It's a movie. You can do whatever you want. But they did this. Yeah, I think it's really cool at least uh um take on on a horror movie i think it, it, whenever it came out it had a title or like for especially in some of the calling cards it was like the only the only horror movie shot movie shot entirely in day or anything it, it had some sort of catchphrase like that when it started coming out in trailers i it, it's really eerie and just like a like an intense thriller kind of vibe whenever you you go into this area of un completely unknown like you don't know the people there you don't know the location they're an entire different country they're like away from civilization and there it's it's i think the movie was one of the best like um original plot points for for at least modern day horror it i I think it's so cool i could agree it brings a lot to the table and i i love that I love everything about that, frankly. I just love, I love how many layers there are to this movie. Like when I saw it in theaters the first time, like obviously like at the ending, I was just kind of like baffled, not quite like empty, like, cause there's sometimes with like a movie like this that you can feel empty at the end. Like, um, Tim, I'm not sure if you've seen Cannibal Holocaust, but that's one that we talked, we talk about a lot on here where it's like, I felt empty at the end of that this one just made me feel like disoriented the first time i watched it it's very odd and especially because there's so many drugs being passed around in the movie that it was actually able to make me feel disoriented like stone sober yeah i think their interpretation of drugs in this movie is really interesting too because a lot of the time like especially in like um some of the like the 90s films whenever there's like a stoner flick or, or something like that they they like do like a weird effect to make it seem like you're drunk or seem like you're under the influence but in this movie they drink a lot of mushroom tea or eat mushrooms in general because it's just it's it's the area where they're at in sweden right it's sweden yeah, yeah. yeah. okay sweden. yeah yeah and and um it, the 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 way that they actually like made the cgi move the um move the trees and how how that everything was breathing and the flowers would move uh, on the dress that everybody was wearing and it, it it could be extremely disorienting to people even they're even though they're stone cold sobered and it's it i think it was the one of the best modern adaptations of that at least of like like influ like drug influenced like characters in the movie in in how their perspective changes based on on um what mental state they're in too it, it's so cool <laughs> it is really cool um especially like and officially spoiler warning if you haven't seen the movie and first of all if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie what what the fuck are you doing here go watch this movie um but my favorite part about the whole drug parable within the movie is at the end um they don't put subtitles on the screen and it actually had to look this up but when they're giving the two guys that are sitting in the burning like triangle thing that they're sacrificing everyone in Mm -hmm. the actual two harga that are sitting in there they say take this sap from the you feel no fear feel no pain 
insane. Yeah. And so they're supposed to like feel so in their mind before the fire starts, they go, oh, you know, we're not going to feel anything. It's all going to be good. We'll come back, whatever. But then as soon as the fire starts hitting their legs, they start looking at each other and screaming, realizing that every bit of that was a lie. Yeah. So it's just like it's like the end of the movie is like this is the sober feeling. But then it's also juxtaposed with that haunting like long shot on uh, Florence Pugh as Danny for the yeah. end of the movie. It's it, like that image. Well, that image is iconic. That'll stay with me forever. Also, that <laughs> one of my favorite gifts to you sometimes is um Danny screaming, like just walking in the like fucking flower dress, just like yeah. screaming. It's so awesome. She looks like the caterpillar from freaking A Bug's Life. Yeah, she did look like a slug. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I forgot about that scene when it came back on. It it literally looked like a slug or Jabba the Hutt, but it just yeah, covered it, in flowers. Just <laughs> it, it's like a, like a high art perspective. I'm sure that's like a melding of man and nature and like, you know, you don't look like a person. You look like an animal because maybe you like are an animal and you're like with yeah. nature now. And like, that's like a high art thing. Like, I really get that. It's fun. It's funny to look at. It is. <laughs> it's funny. To, it's, it's a sight to behold. It, it would almost be funny to make someone watch like the last 30 minutes of this movie, like from the time that um, Christian goes into that weird sex room thing to the end of the movie. It would be very oh, yeah. interesting to have someone just watch just that with no context and see how they feel about it i was watching it with some friends and whenever he was going up to open those doors i was like guess like i I, because i've seen the movie like when it first came out and he came up to open the doors and i was watching it with some friends i said i i I paused the movie i said okay you have like five guesses and what's behind this door and i don't think you'll guess a single one of them is what's gonna happen because i I resumed the movie and all of them were like what is going on like two of them like had to like walk away (laughs) because they just couldn't handle it on the scene that that scene was so uncomfortably shot but it was so necessary to the story to understand how like um how these people operate on the basis of that of like of um i guess what do you call it like a cult the cult-esque the um yeah family building that they have there because they in the in the movie they have um they say that sometimes they they asked about incest i think christian asked about it yeah and, and asked one of the elders and they were saying sometimes that they will permit like a second cousin or a cousin but they normally accept and acknowledge the incest taboo is i think word for word what they were saying like we don't we don't yes. try to, we try to abide by that um so they said that a lot of the time they'll they'll bring people in to basically inseminate their their young so they can actually have more i guess family members quotation marks if you want to call it a family mm-hmm. um and in that aspect like they brought christian in into this area the and and ended up the only person that survived out of the main group of friends was the only person that like d- didn't really want to go if that makes sense <laughs> like like christian died mm-hmm. i think jake died um mark died the two british people died right yeah yeah the only person that survived was 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 danny and she was the one that just lost her family so she so so and her entire family died at the beginning of the movie and now she got a family back and in the message there was really confusing and i remember me having a discussion after the movie ended like what the message entirely was but oh yeah well i always took that scene like specifically the scene where he you were talking about where it's all the old women like standing there like pretty much like egging on the the sex that is happening um you you could also juxtapose that with the scene where danny finds out he's 
you know, cheating yeah. on her essentially, and then they all come in and like start screaming with her. So, well, I think they're trying I, to I, share I, the burden because if you notice, yeah. whenever whenever they're in the scene and they're 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 Christians, you know, getting groovy, I guess. Um, <laughs> the the chick. I don't. I, what what is her name? The uh the, the I I forgot her name, but the uh the girl that chose Christian, right? Whenever yeah, she uh, she she like goes to reach out in 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 um I guess pleasure, but instead of reaching for Christian, she reaches for one of the like ladies in the group that's just watching them. Do you remember that she came down and she I rubbed do. her head on her on her face and started singing to them because she like that was her comfort, and it was just it's a weird it was a weird situation. I think it's like the inner ties of how they're how like like how they're thought to make like their family is first kind of thing and life is a cycle and you should because I, I, it, it's just so confusing but i always took it as their they feel as one yeah. because that also goes with the end of the film where like the thing is on fire and everyone is they know everyone in there is dying everyone is going insane like writhing on the ground and all this other stuff so it's like i feel i almost think it's like a they feel as one as one family like as one body which is interesting and that they've now let danny into that as well i, I don't know it's just it's such a weird ending but so satisfying yeah and i think and i think that's why i felt so like odd at the end of it it's just because i don't know how to feel and it's just Ah, uh, it's I love this movie. Uh, John, I did have once and Tim, you can answer this too. Uh, how did you feel about the blood eagle scene? Yeah, so that's pretty messed up. And honestly, it wasn't so out of place. And it's crazy to think that you could have something so extreme presented to you and not be like jarred by it. Like I looked at it, I was like, oh man, that's intense. Just like everything in this movie is intense. It fits in there almost seamlessly like it's stitched in there, but it's so weird and out of place. But is, is it really out of place? Like they've done a really good job of like filming it and patching it together. So it doesn't feel disjointed and scary. It's not a jump scare, you know, it's it's truly just like a it's just a part of the landscape. And that's maybe the eeriest part of it in general is that they kind of made these horrific things like just a part of the landscape there and you get deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a seamless transition. This is a slippery slope type thing. Now we're going in a crazy direction. And now you got that type of thing happening. (laughs) The the bloody with the blood eagle scene talking about the guy um, stitched up inside the shed, right? Yeah, Yeah, essentially turned inside out yeah so my thoughts on that was it was like a reflection on um it's like a cycle of life kind of thing right he was in the chicken coop and i think the chickens were kind of eating him but also at the same time like he was feeding because there were flowers in his eyes so i think it's like using his body as a like a sense of energy or a force energy force or life force or something for those chickens and like and actually growing something it it was a that's that was my interpretation like that's why it's in the shed is so they can have some sort of food and sustenance off of him but yeah something that I thought about was like you know it's all about like an homage to a thing that's happening you know like they have like the scarecrow and they have like all these other things that are like nature related and they have like the tribute to the crops and stuff that they do with Danny um, yeah. and then to have this guy in the ch- in the shed with the, like the chicken coop but he's also got like the, the like metaphorical like proverbial wings maybe mm-hmm. this is their tribute to nature so that they can have like a fruitful harvest not just just of like grain and stuff, but also of like their livestock. True. I agree. I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into more like, you know, linear stuff here. Um, 
This movie is kind of like considered a jumping off point into extreme horror. Are either one of you kind of familiar with that phrase at all? Extreme horror I, as in the genre of movie? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm familiar with the genre. I, I've seen quite a few extreme horror movies. Yeah, so it like for those, if you're listening and you're not sure what I'm talking about, this is kind of like... It, like it say we were looking at like a disturbing movie iceberg this stuff would be on like level four or five like th like this kind of stuff is like pretty bad this would be like the guinea pig series this would be like stuff that's basically like i guess more or less torture porn or like very much like special effects heavy like gore fests essentially like this movie i've heard a lot of people say like this was their jumping off point into that because it's you know this movie still kind of leaves a little bit to the imagination but as far as the gruesome violence it's like the camera never looks away. Oh, like yeah, that's it's true. All, it's it's always front and center, and that's a very extreme horror thing to do. Um, and the other thing I would say, like to describe extreme horror, would be like the themes of violence are very like nonchalant, and it's almost like the violence moves the story along in a way that like musical numbers move along a musical, and. I almost, like, Midsummer is, like, maybe just a little bit below that. Like, I don't think that, like, the violence is supposed to move the story along. I think it's supposed to enhance the story. And it's supposed to bring you into the world. Because, like, when you see, like, you know, the old man jump off of the cliff, I mean, that's, like, it's very sobering because you watch it happen and, like, he's not dead and they go and hit him with that hammer. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's almost like you have to look away. Like, yeah, I know that, I like, when my fiancé was watching this, like, there were certain parts where she had to look away like she really liked the movie but she's just, just like i can't do some of this i think the thing that separates this from some of the other entries and what you might call like i don't know beginner level or entry level extreme horror i mean i think of a movie like hostile like hostile's pretty right. extreme but uh hostile is sadistic this is not sadistic in any way nobody's taking a tremendous amount of pleasure in what's happening here it's just a way of life for them and not even in a dark way it's not even i don't even know if i would consider it like violence in the traditional sense because like at the like you were talking about where the man jumps off the cliff like that's the cycle of life that's the tradition nobody's upset about it nobody's enacting violence or revenge against anybody else that's just the way that they live you know and that's right. uh maybe you could say a similar thing about some other movies that take place in like i don't know faraway lands and like exotic cultures because this i mean unfortunately does also kind of fall under the umbrella of movies where like americans specifically go to like an exotic locale and experience some kind of extreme horror but i i i, I find it to be a lot different you know especially when you compare it to something like a hostile or a saw or whatever agreed <laughs> actually I, I did have one last thing i wanted to say have you guys seen the trailer for um oh what's it called don't worry darling uh the new movie coming out with florence Pugh in it i have not i haven't seen that either okay so it's great um definitely go check it out after we're done with this because they show a scene that almost seems like shot for shot the same as like her reactions to the man falling off the cliff it's very very funny and i don't know if they did it on purpose or not but because the movie hasn't come out yet but um i definitely that's definitely one i'm looking forward to um, another thing I'm looking forward to, well, kind of and kind of not. Um, so the other thing we do on this podcast is what John doesn't know about movies, he does know about cocktails. So I let him make a cocktail that's themed to the movie or not themed to the movie, whatever you want to do. Um, John, I'm going to give it over to you to tell you, tell us about this cocktail. I just swear to God, there better not be anything red in the cocktail. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I knew you were going to say something about it. And I thought we were going to do another kind of like, 
like uh, make a lot of Bloody Mary cocktail. Thought that might be in bad taste. Um, didn't want to do that. Incredibly. <laughs> yeah, no, not, definitely not what we were going for. So uh, I, I think I just wanted to kind of capture the, uh, the, 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 the fresh feel of the movie because, again, the aesthetics are incredible. Like, you look at the movie, it's just, it's super, it's like a beast for the eyes and it's really bright. It's the, you know, they, they call it the land of the midnight sun. I don't know if you've ever been anywhere where there's like a lot of sunlight during the summer. I'm actually traveling. I'm in Washington right now. So, I mean, we, it's, it doesn't get dark until like 10 p.m. right now. So it's kind of surreal to be sitting outside and you're like, oh, wow, that's what a nice sunset. Oh, it's 9.30 at night. That's crazy. You really do lose track of time. And it's super fresh and it's super bright and it's super... It's it's a whole nother experience if you've never had it before. So I kind of want to capture that vibe. And uh, knowing that they're in the far... I guess it has to be the far north. Um, It it could also be cool, even though summertime might not be super hot. So I did something really kind of cool, light and refreshing. And uh, it's not something that I always do, but it's a wine cooler cocktail that I call the Midnight Sun. Ooh, the Midnight Sun. Yeah, it's not that crazy to make. Uh, Well, I, I take that back. You'll actually need some tools that we don't normally use for cocktails and you might be able to substitute them in but here's how you make it so you want to start out with like maybe one or two uh large apples so again being up in washington we have some pretty uh some pretty solid apples up here you just kind of like go out and be like oh hey here's some apples and they're like the best apples you've ever had so um i chopped some of those up into little uh, like diced cubes and i froze okay so i had those on the side and then i took another one and i chopped it up and i actually got a mortar and pestle and i smashed up the apples just like they're doing in the movie to make that elixir that they do for the uh, the maple dance and uh ended up mixing it up with some um, Pinot Grigio white wine. And Ooh. when you mash it together like that, you kind of pull a lot of the apple flavors out. Yeah, you could probably use a blender too, but where's the fun in that? I mean, come on. If you have a mortar and pestle and you're going to smash some stuff, why not smash some white wine apple sauce together? You can have a lot of fun with it. Um, <laughs> strain it out into a glass and you're, what you're left with is like an apple white wine, which is really cool. Um, and then I got a glass, like a champagne flute, and I took some cracked ice, put it in the bottom, stacked in the frozen apple cubes on top. And then I strained the uh, kind of the white wine applesauce mixture to get that apple white wine and pour that over the top. So now you have like a white wine beverage is like apple themed. Believe it or not, apples are actually like the national fruit of Sweden. They have like a special variety of apples that only grows in that area. And that's like their thing. I guess lingonberries could have also been it, but they're a berry and not a fruit. I, I don't really know how that works. I don't know what the rules are for that over there. So it ter- turns out like the apple is a really big deal there. So I wanted to put some of that in there too. And it's nice, cool, refreshing. Something you could drink on a summer day, uh, maybe. Maybe it's 10 o'clock at night and it's just now getting dark and you're uh, just chilling out on the lawn. Well, this is this is the cocktail for you then. Beautiful. I love it. I love how you like super tied it into the movie and also didn't make it disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I know they uh like since it's like the, the Scandinavian countries, you know, like normally people think of mead. And again, to throw it back to the Wicker Man, what I didn't want to do was make another like honey based cocktail because I think I did like the, the honey whiskey lemonade for one of them. And then I did another mead cocktail for the Nicolas Cage one. I was called something stupid like the Nicolas Rage or something. I, I, I don't I'm sorry. It was a good cocktail. I'm sorry if the name sucked. <laughs> it was at the very beginning of us doing this podcast, so no worries. <laughs> Why don't we ask uh, Tim what he thinks about cocktails? What does he like? So, uh, Tim, I, I know you're kind of new to the show and uh, maybe you listened to some of our stuff before and you've know, seen some of the cocktails we make before. Do you have, like, drink preferences? Like, what, what kind of cocktails do you like? Do you do, you do that? Is that is that a thing you're into? Well, uh, funny 
enough, you you said something about apple and wine for this cocktail. You know, you got you got the apple chunks and you got some Pinot Grigio. I like I like me some wine and I like me some apples. I, I my main drink, like I'm gonna grab something and drink it real quick. I, I'll usually go for like an apple cider. So mm. I kind of I kind of like like that vibe anyway. So I'm, I'm gonna have to try this cocktail now that I know the recipe and I'm gonna have to get back and let you know if I like it or not. But um, I'm more of a if I if I do drink, I'm more of like a liquor dude. I like liquor, so I'll usually mix something with like vodka or or gin i usually do like gin tonics and or or like gin and ginger ale something kind of simple but i'll uh i'll, I'll sometimes take a take a nice like bourbon on the rocks and go out smoke a cigar play some chess <laughs> that's awesome no yeah. we're, a, we're a big gin and tonic crowd here on the show too i mean honestly if you wanted to dress this up a little bit and make it into like a proper cocktail i think maybe putting like half a shot of like crown apple in there would be pretty spectacular Ooh. some kind of apple whiskey would really sell it um oh, yeah. might make it a little bit more savory or a little bit more uh you know heavy and a little less uh, like light and refreshing but it would give you that kick and it would give you a little bit more complex flavor i know yeah maybe if you took out the like wine and then you put like a little bit of apple cider then the crown apple and then you can put the apple chunks in there too this is nice i'm I'm glad we found somebody for the show that like actually (laughs) does appreciate (laughs) the drinks and the movies that that's that that's our your target demographic tim thank you for being the way you are yeah thank you thank you (laughs) we found him we found the one fan (laughs) (laughs) speak speaking of our one fan well now we have two because we also have a our good friend um he comes in and reads these synopsis um synopsi we can never figure out what the hell the plural version of synopsis is if you know drop a comment dip somewhere i don't give a shit um so tim i'm gonna let frank synopsis in um he's a little odd uh he smells a lot he is 147 years old he lives in central park uh i'm gonna go ahead and let him in the studio i don't have any money i don't have singles does he know that he he he's good he he's not gonna ask for any money uh he i think he does this for community service i'm not sure exactly what he does but uh Let's let him in. All right, welcome, Frank. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, glad to be back. It's uh, it's so nice to be back in my my favorite place outside the city. Yes, Frank. Uh, we have our good friend Tim here. Uh, Tim, Frank, Frank, Tim. Hello, oh, Frank. Hello, nice hello. to meet you. I uh, I can't say that I get out too terribly often, and by get out, I mean get out of the park or get out of jail. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. So where? Why were you in jail this time, Frank? Well, believe it or not, it's it's funny you should uh, have brought me here to talk about Midsummer today because of the. Sp- Bard Seed Vault opened up their own branch in New York City. Oh, okay. So I went in there to take a tour. Uh, they, they said they didn't do tours. I didn't believe them, so I went back there. Um, different types of seeds they have in there. It's like kind of a uh, it's kind of a liquid seed in a cup in a refrigerator. Dif- different type of seed they got in here in New York City. <laughs> I don't think uh, that's the kind of... I don't think you can grow any plants from those. <laughs> you can grow something from that. Um, Frank, what, what did you do with the seed, buddy? Well, I took it to the park and I put it in the ground. I think your friend Tim here is right uh did not see any uh any, any trees growing but uh the cops did show up i'm sure they did <laughs> um well frank if you could just stay out of jail long enough to help us out with the podcast that would be great uh you did say uh, did you watch midsummer while you were in your cell like how did you watch it oh no 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 i uh i snuck into the movie theater oh you snuck into a movie theater okay mm. so you've seen this movie before okay many many times I, I i think it would be more fair to say that i was living in that movie theater for a period of time <laughs> I'm sure it's more than fair. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and tell us about Midsummer, Frank? 
All right. Danny is having a bad year. Her family's killed in a murder-suicide. Her boyfriend, Christian, is kind of an asshole. And on top of that, she can't seem to find where she belongs. She manages to grab a spot on a thesis trip to Sweden with Christian and his school peers. They are then witness to the Midsummer Festivals of the Harga tribe. A tribe that doesn't communicate much with the outside world. They're all welcomed with open arms. Well, that is until somebody pisses on an ancient tree. Then things get a little fucky. I don't like how you said fucky, but thank you. That is indeed how the movie works. Well, thank you, Frank. Uh, I'm definitely glad you got to come in here for our special guest. Uh, Tim, do you have anything you want to say to Frank? Uh, <laughs> you know, Ace Hardware kind of sells some seeds if you're actually looking to plant something, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to keep that in consideration. Yeah. Uh, I also heard this fall bard opened up a branch here in Pennsylvania. Uh, no, they didn't. Frank, please don't come here any more often than you need to. Um, go, go ahead and let John in, Frank. All right, see ya. All right, well, that didn't go quite as bad as I thought it would. <laughs> so, um, do you guys have, like, uh, I, I know that you guys are, well, you guys, I guess Tim's visiting. Zach, you're not trying to plant a garden, are you? No, and neither is Frank. Don't look in there. It's a crime scene. It's, it's, uh, it's probably grosser than anything that happened in this movie, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know some people put out the little, uh, the little carrot pack seeds, you know, to, like, remind them of what they planted in the ground there. I saw one that was a Gogurt box? I don't think it's... that was Gogurt. That was not oh, Gogurt, bro. No. Uh, uh, did you tell Frank that he can't grow a Gogurt tree, right? Yeah, or... Did you see Ted too? <laughs> are, are you really about to ask me if I've seen a movie on a podcast where the premise is that I haven't seen movies? You know what? That's fair. Um, I, you don't really need to see Ted too. I guess I was just referring <laughs> to a scene where uh, something similar to this happened. Uh, if like you know, it. you know. If you know, you know. Uh, speaking of if you know, you know, uh, let's get into the informational side of this podcast Let, i'm gonna try and get through this as quickly as possible because i want to get back to talking about the movie because this movie does beg to be discussed but i do think that there's some interesting little tidbits that are kind of fun here uh so first of all we're gonna go through the background of like like just so that we know who the characters and who the players are here so mm. midsummer was written and directed by ari oster who um also directed Hereditary the year before in 2018. Uh, he came to fame on a little uh, short film called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Um, I, it is on YouTube. I suggest anyone who's interested in his films watch it. Uh, there, <laughs> If you did not like the incest in this movie, you are not going to like it in that short, and that is my trigger warning for you. Uh, so it's not <laughs> like a sequel to like Meet the Robinsons? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, I guess if you want it to be, it can be. Is it a cinematic you know, universe? affair absolutely not uh and he's also coming out with a new film called disappointment boulevard which is supposed to be a comedy horror so that should be interesting and i think that's coming out either later this year or like early next year i'm looking huh. forward to that definitely looking forward to that it's another a24 co-production oh, absolutely um, so so this movie was produced, so Midsommar was produced by Patrick Anderson and Lars uh, Knudsen. I'm pretty sure that's how you say that. It is how uh, you say that, for sure. All right, awesome. Sorry, Lars, if you're listening. I doubt you are, but if you are, cool. Also, um, Lars Ulrich, if you're listening, apologize for the St. Anger snare drum incident. That's all I have did, to say to Lars Ulrich if why you're did, listening. Why, <laughs> did, why do people hate the snare sound on St. Anger? I don't understand. I'm with Finn McKinty on this one. I think it sounds cool. Okay. <laughs> 
All right. So Midsummer starred Florence Pugh as Danny. Uh, she was in Black Widow, Little Women, and as I mentioned, uh, the upcoming Don't Worry Darling. Uh, Jack Reiner as Christian uh, in the Transformers series. William Jackson Harper as Josh. Uh, he was in a show called The Good Place, which I think was on uh, NBC. It's only four seasons, but it is fucking fantastic. It is a great comedic look at like the um, the afterworld. And it has a very surprising ending. It's very, very good. Uh, Wilhelm uh, Blomgren as Pele and Will Poltier as Mark, who is also in We Are the Millers and the Maze Runner. Known as Squiggly Brow Man. (laughs) Yes. Um, He's the one that in the We Are the Millers that that I... I'll never be able to take him seriously in a movie because every time I see him in something, I just see him like after he got the beast sting on his dick and it's like <laughs> just giant and red. I can I can never unsee that. So <laughs> he will always be giant beasting dick man to me. Also, what a before, title. <laughs> before we move on, Christian from the Transformer series, I didn't even make that connection until you said it. He was like one of the soldiers, right? Yes. Okay, I couldn't. I could see everybody was just calling him like Walmart version Chris Pratt. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Especially he like kind of sounds Pratt, like him too. <laughs> he does, especially when Chris Pratt was like a little chubbier, like oh, during yeah. like the Parks and Rec days. Like I could mm-hmm. definitely see that. All right, let's move on. So the cinematography was done by Paul Porgozelski, I think. Phenomenal. If you're listening, let us know how to say your name. Please. And Lars Ulrich, again, apologize. You don't have to apologize for anything, Lars. Edited by Lucian Johnston. The music was by Bobby Krillick. He's a producer who's worked with York and Father John Misty. And I think that a Father John Misty song would have fit real nice into this movie. Yeah, and credits with a Father John Misty song would have been pretty uh i, I want to say haunting but like in like a somber way yes uh are you familiar with father john misty tim no i am unfortunately not definitely give him a listen uh if it, it's almost like i don't know how to describe it and i hate saying it like this but it's like intellectual art pop rock i don't know how to describe it hey, but it's really perfect. really good genres are <laughs> just what's the word i'm looking for genres are uh objective subjective relative i Correct. guess <laughs> <laughs> So the movie Midsummer was uh, pr- the production companies were Square Peg, uh, which is Astor's production company, Be Real Films, and A24, distributed by A24. Uh, it was released. It had its premiere on June 18th, 2019, at the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. Um, it premiered in the United States on July 3rd, 2019, and then had its Swedish premiere on July 10th, 2019. Uh, the budget was nine million dollars, and the box office return was 48 million dollars. So I would say that's pretty successful oh, yeah. if it's ever something that we have to talk about on this show ever again where it's like you know if it doubles the budget eh. but in this case it's like what <laughs> like how four many times. times over like way too many it i think i think it turned a profit like enough for them to make another movie with him for sure <laughs> yeah it made a pretty good profit it made 48 million dollars <laughs> like five times the budget back yeah that's all right that's pretty good. Yeah, I guess you're good enough for a follow-on film. Chump change. Chump change. Chump change. What do you think change. this is? Avengers Endgame. <laughs> they spent a lot of money on that movie for it to make a lot of money. Like I could, like when I looked at how much they spent on Avengers Endgame, like it was almost a billion dollars. <sighs> that is insane. That is an insane amount of money to spend on a movie. On a imagine. movie. Too much CGI. <laughs> Too much CGI. And the other thing is, like, it's all not even real money. It's all money that they like borrow and 
makeup just to have it like replaced with real money by ticket sales. It makes no sense. But anyway, mm. let's uh, let's try and get through some of this stuff. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, the quote unquote A24 vibes. Uh, so first of all, I, we, I feel the need to make a distinction here. So A24 is a distribution company that sometimes produces films, but they mostly just distribute them. So like, I understand what people mean when they say A24 vibes, but it's almost the same thing as saying something has like Warner Brothers vibes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I get what you mean, but like, and a lot of a lot of people I see like on like Reddit and I guess Facebook forums are like, they're a little meaner about it, but I'm just trying to like make sure everybody understands. Like A24 is like a distri- distribution company first off, and I'm going to explain why here in the following couple of sentences. Uh, so A24 was founded in 2012 by Daniel Katz, David Finkel, and John Hodges. All three worked as like high-level executives at different film firms. Uh, most interestingly, David Finkel was the co-founder of Oscilloscope, which is uh, Adam Yock, which is Adam Yock's uh, production company from the BC Boys. I, I, I just thought that was super cool. I mean, if you got the BC Boys, why not plug the BC Boys? Exactly. Like, if you can ever mention the BC Boys, it'll always get you cool points. Yeah, uh, BC Boys, any remaining members of the BC Boys, if you're listening, um, don't apologize. Never apologize. Don't apologize, unlike Lars Ulrich. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so the name came from uh, Daniel Katz, who was driving down the A24 motorway in Italy when he came up with the idea for the production company, or for the distribution company. So it's just that uh, thing like they do, you know where they have the spaghetti trees and they like what do they crush it up and make roads with it in Italy like we were talking about last week <laughs> no this is nothing to do with the the spaghetti harvest it is this it is the perfect climate for spaghetti though it's a, it's a it's a long mild summer it, is it mild i mean here in pa it's pretty damn humid i think the humidity is like at like 98% today yeah but you're growing are, are you really growing spaghetti or you're growing more of a linguine um we grow pierogies here sir you grow they a come pierog, from the huh? ground <laughs> Wow. Oh, like Rogues. a potato? <laughs> yes. but it's a root. <laughs> yeah. It's a root. You gotta you dig it up. Oh, don't you know? We get we grow the pierogies here. Uh, we get the pretzels from the trees. I, um, <sighs> any, I'm sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> don't bring up Pennsylvania. Um, so the Guggenheim Partners provided the seed money for the company. Uh, the company's original mission statement was to share movies with a distinctive point of view. Whatever the fuck that's. Yes. Um, the first film they distributed was a Charlie Sheen vehicle. A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III, uh, directed by Roman Coppola in 2013. And it was a big old flop, and it's not a good movie. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's just not a good movie. However, that same year, they released Spring Breakers, which is directed by Harmony Corinne, who is famous for writing Kids and directing Guomo, Gummo, which are also in the disturbing movie Iceberg somehow. Like, they're they're a little weird. Uh, we may never talk about them again on this podcast, so I just wanted to bring it up now. Mm. Um, is, is Gummo like an edgy reimagining of Gumby? No, Gummo is like a... I've never seen it. It's one of those that I want to see, but it's kind of hard to find. It's like a, um, it's an art house anthology series that follows like a town that had like some sort of nuclear fallout and everybody there is really weird. And there's like a weird scene with them killing a cat. And it's, it's just a very odd movie. I think in um, the right light, you could have a Gumby movie like that. <laughs> Seth Rogen, get on it. Make it. <laughs> Seth, Elon Musk, get on it. Elon Musk, buy Gumby. Come on, you so, won't do it. We'll bully him into buying Gumby just like we bullied him into buying everything else. <laughs> Did we bully him into buying Twitter? I don't want to be responsible for that. 
but now he owns Twitter. Maybe he owns Twitter so we can't bully him into buying irresponsible things on the internet anymore. <laughs> Elon goes, listen, bro. I am buying I have Doge. I have, I have, he's like, I have Dogecoin, Gumby, and Twitter. You're not finna talk to me any type of way. Um, anyway, so as the years have gone on, uh, A24 has released some rather well-known hits, uh, mostly in the horror genre. And like the company has become a household name in like the annoying film bro slash gal circles. Mm. Yeah, they're really artsy. I think the reason why people say so much about A24 vibes, like you said, they aren't a production company. They are um, a distribution, but it, I think it's very specific to what kind of film they are going to distribute. Like, it has to make you think, what the fuck am I watching at some yep. point during the movie for them to even Correct. think about putting their name on the, on it. It's like a very, like, art, art, artsy style or like it, 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 like um like a nerd culture kind of like. If, if you went to school for, or like, film and art and, uh, like, just subjective, probably a little bit of philosophy classes in there too <laughs> um you oh, yeah. probably fit in with an a24 vibe movie but. oh yeah when i was in film school this was all anyone ever wanted to talk about was a24 that's how i originally kind of got on it and that was a little bit before midsummer and hereditary but it people love these movies man Bro, they and, got a brand and they're good at it they know what they want to put out and they keep putting it out you know it's like um you know you have like a line of clothes you buy stuff from i mean they might make a t-shirt or they might put out a t-shirt you could get a t-shirt anywhere but this is the one you want because you know what you're getting when you buy oh yeah <laughs> speaking of which um <laughs> this is kind of like off the book a little bit but um so a24 actually does make their own clothes and shit too really yeah so they make clothes that kind of go with the movie like uh, most recently they did like a line of shirts for the movie x hmm. and so like they all look like 70s exploitation like t-shirt like poster type things they look really cool they are 75 dollars t-shirts mm. you know they must be like <laughs> they have to be it's, made from like the pews of the ceo or something they have to be the softest thing in the world like it has to be something crazy <laughs> it's insane but they also came out with um this new subscription service called the a24 like um insider member or some shit like that it's like five dollars a month and you get like 15 or 20 percent off anything in their store like it makes no sense it's a very weird thing that they have and i don't understand what it is it's like having so an rei membership but you get to have the hot dog finger gloves that they put out a little while ago the hot dog finger gloves i did know about I, f I forgot about the hot dog finger gloves yeah that's from um everything everywhere all at once isn't it i honestly haven't seen it but i know about the hot dog gloves so again they have a brand <laughs> they have a brand and that brand looks like oscar meyer bro. god damn it bro. don't even get me started on everything everywhere all at once <laughs> i i we so, gotta save that I, <laughs> we gotta save that <laughs> i'm probably going to go see it this week there's a movie theater um that i just went to go see uh a screening a basket case at that's still playing it through this week and i'm like oh, i'll have to go right after work or something i gotta see that movie but um that's not this movie. That's that's not something I've had to see had to say for a while. Um, let's talk a little bit about Midsummer. So after the surprise success of Hereditary in 2018, Ari started to piece together his next film. Uh, he initially conceptualized Midsummer as like more of a straightforward slasher film. Uh, he kind of retooled this to be more of a breakup movie than a slasher. Although the slasher elements remain that did remain in the movie became elevated as Ari and A24 are apt to do. Uh, the breakup in the film 
film is inspired by Astor's own difficult breakup he endured, and the movie was sold on the idea of a breakup film movie in a folk horror film's clothes. Yeah, you know, breakups are hard. Uh, they're really hard when you're on a bunch of mushrooms and they put you inside of a bear skin, uh, burn <laughs> you alive, um, pull your lungs out. It's a hard. It's hard to date in 2022. Tinder has uh, <laughs> killed all romance and chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> it's um the good for her movement has um kind of ruined all dating. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you, used to, you go on a date, you pull the chair out, you know, you put your jacket on her, and you take her home. Um, and hopefully that's the the furthest it goes. But now you show up, and they put you in this robe, and they have all of her buddies standing around you a circle singing a at you. You just have to join a cult. You have to join a cult with her. <laughs> yeah, it's good for her. Jesus. Good for her. Good for her. She deserves it. She deserves this. You go, Yas Queen. Yas Queen. Uh, um, I do typically like the good for her film series, which like also includes like um, Promising Young Woman. I don't know if you guys have seen that one, but that one's pretty good. Um, that one's definitely a little more intense. That one made me feel empty at the end. Um, but let's continue because once again, that's not this movie. So Be Real Films, which is a Swedish film company, came in to produce a film along with A24 and Astor's own Square Pay. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, this film <laughs> with the great American tradition of filming something somewhere, saying it's some, saying it's one thing, and it's like completely shot in a different place. So this movie takes place in Sweden, but they filmed most of it in Hungary. Huh, go figure. Yeah, it's... Uh, I had always thought that they actually filmed this in Sweden, but no, Hungary. And I was huh. just like, God damn, it's it's Anchorman all over again. Like, you were so close to Sweden, just fucking film it there. Is it weird that I thought you were going to say, like, uh, Bozeman, Montana or something? <laughs> like, totally off the wall. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got, like, trees and sun. <laughs> it, it was filmed in Mexico City, Mexico. <laughs> totally different vibe. Totally, totally different. different vibe. Totally different A24 vibe. Vibe. Yes. Um, totally different cult. Yeah, it was actually all shot on soundstage. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what? You know what? You know what is scary? That is actually possible now. Have you seen um, pictures? I think it's Disney has this now. It is literally a giant green screen room that you can build certain things on and then film it and make it look like you're actually there. That is terrifying. We live in the Matrix. We, it, it literally it's literally the fucking matrix we are the matrix we are the matrix we yes. are Groot yes we matrix <laughs> alright let's talk cool. about the release of this thing so we can get back to like a general discussion type thing um so the pre-release screening was shown, as I said, at the Alamo Draft House in New York City on June 28th, 2019. Uh, when the film was released in Sweden, it got kind of a different reaction than it did in the US. Uh, they viewed the film as more of a well-made black comedy than they did a horror movie. Nice. I, which I love it. I love it when like other like territories and other countries have a completely different reaction to a movie than we do. Yeah, I really couldn't imagine getting this confused with like Medea goes to jail. That's a totally different kind of vibe that I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can kind of see though. Um, I I have like a black sense of comedy as well, especially in movies. I find I laugh a lot whenever people don't. So like, if I see movies in theaters, I'm usually cracking up, and the rest of the theaters like silent. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. I don't He's I don't more know of a why. Norbit kind of guy. Yeah, so it's just it's. <laughs> I first if I, for a second I thought you said Morbius, and <laughs> I thought you're. <laughs> um, but um, no, I can I can kind of see how, especially if it's like a lack of translation as well. If it was like subtitled or something 
how it could kind of be viewed as comedic in some ways, but it's, I don't know. There were a few times when I was rewatching this that I was kind of laughing. Oh yeah, for sure. Like when you look at it through that lens, I definitely can see it. I think that because we're just not used to like even some of the normal customs that the Harga have, like it all feels off to us or like maybe because it's presented to us like as Americans, like these are American people going to a Swedish place to like have all of this happen. Well, that is true because if 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 the Harga is like I mean because it's loosely based I think it's loosely based on like the, like Midsummer festivals like act like actual Midsummer festivals over in Sweden and if they have yes. like any sort of relative co- like um, understanding of those I say the term loose lightly like cults because I don't really understand like we don't have a term for that other than cult <laughs> you know I'm sure that right. they have like other groups or found like maybe whatever but like it's cults in general again lightly using um are viewed taboo in America extremely but over, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that in other countries that more like I guess uh spe- specific religion or belief groups <laughs> yes. are, are more acceptable maybe so right. it, it, it wouldn't be such a foreign idea for them so that might be why they have some sort of association and can maybe laugh at it a bit more but sen- like you're saying it, since it's so like so polar opposite to the American norm <laughs> it's just so unsettling from the very beginning <laughs> <laughs> it's from the very very beginning and we will get to that in a moment um I have to talk about some things that like make me happy on this podcast <laughs> I don't know if anyone else enjoys this but I do so the 171 minute director's cut of the film premiered on August 20th 2019 and now we're going to get into the home video and I am going to complain about something in a minute. So All get right, ready. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, obligatory. Obligatory. Um, so the movie was released digitally on September 24th, 2019, which was the theatrical and the director's cut. However, the director's cut was an Apple TV exclusive. Get ready because I'm going to come back to it. Um, so then the regular theatrical DVD and Blu-ray was released October 10th, 2019. Uh, the director's cut Blu-ray came out in the UK on October October 28th, 2019, and on November 6th, 2019 in Australia, but we had to wait until July 20th, 2020 to get this thing, and guess how the fuck we had to get it on digi- on physical media? Uh, this- full screen. No, d- oh. thank God it's not full screen. Um, <laughs> I'm learning. The, the, the US re- so the US release of the director's cut was an A24 shop exclusive. Uh, it came in, it was available in 4K and Blu-ray in limited quantities. Uh, it comes how in this like old school book like hardcover like hard shell thing and it is impossible to display because it's literally like it's the size of one and a half other blu-ray cases so you can't just put it next to anything because it just looks bad and i hate it but um it does look phenomenal on 4k though i will give it that um and the art book that comes inside of the like little book thing is very nice um and just because i know john's going to ask um yes i do still have the theatrical cut as well so i technically have two different cuts of this movie on two different releases and i need you to not judge me john you know i have all the stuff that you've told me that you have and haven't gotten for your you know movie i'm not gonna call it a movie fetish because you don't even identify as a cinephile so like i'm not i'm not gonna put you through that abuse okay <laughs> um so let's kind of talk about the legacy of this because i found like some like after release stuff that was really interesting uh, so in 2020, props from the film were auctioned off for charity towards the New York Fire Department. So Florence Pugh's flower dress was auctioned off for $65,000 and now sits at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. 
uh, which is in LA. So John, you should probably go to that if you get a chance. Um, see Ariana, the slug in person. See, you could see this fucking thing in person. I, I can walk around in front of it and go, oh, I'm a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a beautiful butterfly. Um, speaking of beautiful butterflies, I guess, uh, Ariana Grande actually tried to buy this dress at the auction and it, they literally just told her no. <laughs> Wow. Uh, did she get outbid by Lady Gaga? No, they just told her. Like, I think she tried to bid over the 65 and they went, no, we want this to go to the museum. It belongs in a museum. Classic um, Indiana Jones. <laughs> it was right there. It was right there. I had to go for it. Um, but she did settle for a midsummer themed 27th birthday party. So I, I guess. Happy for um, her. Yas Queen. Good for her. Um, Christian's bear headdress was sold for $4,760, which seems a little odd, but okay. And the mallet that they used to like hit the hit the har- the older Harga with at the end was sold for $10,000. Um, and then also another like little thing I found was like weird enough Florence Pugh also wears a flower crown in Little Women which also came out in 2019. I did not catch that when I watched Little Women which it, it's actually a really good um, remake. Like I actually do suggest watching the 2019 Little Women. It's very good. I've never heard uh, of this movie and I need to watch it. Um, yeah it has like Little Women. It has like um, Emma Watson in it as well and um, Saoirse Ronan directed by uh, Greta Gerwig who also directed Lady Bird which is an A24 movie. Yeah I haven't seen Lady Bird but I've been meaning to get around to that one too. Lady Bird is great. I highly suggest it. Um, John, as always, I suggest you watch literally any movie without me forcing you to. Naturally. <laughs> All right. So I kind of wanted to open up the floor for like a little bit more discussion, kind of like we had at the beginning. Now that we've kind of gone through like what this movie is, how it works, like how it got made. Um, do you? How did you guys feel about the tapestry at the beginning of the film? Like when you go back and look at it, it actually tells the whole story of the film. Oh yeah. Uh, this was kind of this was kind of the first time I'd seen someone do something like that, and I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. yeah it's it's oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh okay. You're, you're um, the guest. You're the birthday boy. I think it's really cool to kind of like it's like destiny and like how like life as a cycle is like kind of the message that they are trying to spread throughout the Harga um like mindset I guess or or their beliefs so for so for them to have like um prophecies in, in a tapestry like that in and see it like come true is a really neat kind of touch and twist on the on the movie because you like see it so you kind of know everything that's going to come subconsciously but you might not be paying attention to it like in the moment physically right so on it's... a second watch it's really cool because there were two tapestries there's yeah. the one at the very beginning that shows like the overall story arc of the movie and then there's a sub a sub subplot in the it, with a different tapestry later on and then there's also like the paintings and drawings inside the barn where they sleep that also kind of yeah, lead, kind give of a little foreshadow it. yeah yeah i guess it's kind of interesting because like it gives you kind of insight into the world there and kind of looking at like how knowledge is passed down how stories are passed down it's a lot more like traditional and like yes they write but like no they don't have like the modern record-keeping systems that we have and so like a lot of it is like pictographic you know like they have the the stories and the tapestries and the runes on the walls and stuff and uh they they just live really local and it's kind of around you all the time because on the one hand like it's like it's a little bit of a cult and like on the other hand it's like yeah it's just kind of a traditional way of living so like they're constantly subjected to the imagery because images have power you know in like the human brain so like they did a really good job fleshing out the world with it i think but still even though like like what we know about the hargas right is like these nine days this nine day summer festival like are they like this the rest of the year or Good just question. during these nine days so. i think that I, from what i gathered like when i've watched I've, i think i've watched the movie like at least five or six times at this 
point. I think that they're very isolationist after this is over, and I think that that's to, like, probably mentally recover from everything that had happened to them. But it seems like they kind of just go about their daily tasks. It's like, even during all the festivities, most everyone's still just kind of going about, like, what they're supposed to be doing. Like, if they're supposed to be, like, picking flowers, or they're supposed to be, you know, harvesting vegetables, or cooking. Like, it seems like it's very much everybody has a job. So I think it's more like a commune type scenario like when this shit isn't happening so you think they still live there like even whenever do you think they live there whenever the festival's over so like it's just a festival in their hometown kind of thing yeah it's almost like having a county fair in your hometown yeah okay like a really fucked up county fair yeah (laughs) rob zombie get on it that's your next movie seriously Um, (laughs) um so speaking of like you know foreshadowing and beginnings and endings did you guys understand the ending of Upon first view. Yes, um, I think. I received yeah, one of the he, messages. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like the movie definitely has, like, layers that, like, as you rewatch and read, because the movie's insanely rewatchable, um, you notice different little things. Like, the first time I watched this, I didn't notice, like, um, in the trees, you can actually see Danny's sister with, like, the exhaust pipe in her mouth. Yeah. Like, they superimposed that image onto the trees, and I thought that was really cool. I didn't see that the first time. I didn't even see that. That's insane. Yeah, go, go look that up after this like it, you'll never not see it again if you, when you rewatch the movie but it's very very odd um speaking of like uh going deeper into things so like w- w- as we talked about before on like a deeper level this is a breakup movie oh my god it, they do i'm sorry i i like googled yeah, it did you look it yeah, up yeah jeez <laughs> gosh <laughs> it's insane isn't Why? it Why? <laughs> Ari Oster, man. Ari Oster. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I might have derailed you a little in. bit. Sorry. <laughs> but no, like just no. um, like, no, it's just in general, like you asked about like the, 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 the receiving the message of the movie and like with with him imposing that like that she she's announced and like or like announced and not even guilt, I guess guilt a little bit, but just in loss and in sorrow, like the entire movie. Right. And whenever yeah. she was first having the issues because her sister messaged her an email because she was like going crazy because she's bipolar or whatever right um the the her her, during she like her trying to figure out this email and if it's real or not christian the, the her boyfriend in the movie is talking to his homies about breaking up with and they're like trying to talk him into breaking up with her to get out of the relationship because they think she's crazy or whatever right so she's mm-hmm. trying to call her parents to be like hey listen she's sending me weird emails again you guys like can can you help her and during that time they're dead so she she's not only being ignored by her parents I, she, they might have been dead at the moment whenever they called because it was showing them like in the bed um but but they didn't answer the phone christian was already kind of shutting the wall on it on, on her whenever they got there he forgot about her birthday Every Everybody forgot about their birthday, except for what is the main character's name? The Swedish dude, oh, the main character. P- Pele. Pele. Um, Pele was the only one that remembered her birthday, talked to her about it. And then he was like the only one that was like, hey, I'm he, the only one excited for her to come on this trip. The, the the only one that like helped her during this time of grieving or anything. So like at the end of the movie, it was a sense of like relief because like 
everybody who didn't care about her or care like contact her or like shunned her or whatever was gone and then she was like i think she felt at home somewhere for once because she had i guess a quote-unquote family that listened to her and helped her because she won the event and there were people talking to her and she said hey we're like sisters now whenever she won the won the uh the may queen right right so so i think it was like a sense of like gratification or sense of a um like just getting a family again or like self self um appreciation so i think that was like one of the doors that kind of closed at the end of the movie at least that's what i saw because whenever she saw Kristen get burned alive there was like a slight sense of relief afterwards yeah for sure like it's like that chapter is over yeah that's that's definitely how i took it and i she like the face she's making is just overall like joy yeah like an almost like demented joy that you can only get when, like, you've truly lost your shit. Yeah, because I just think she found her family. Like, I think she just found yeah. where she belongs. Because, like you said, she was seeing her family there the entire time. And the trees. She sh- she saw the family on the rocks. Which, by the way, that scene was, I think, the worst <laughs> in, in all of yeah. them. Whenever, like, um, like, because c- sure, you saw the guy jump and his bones and his shins get broken. You saw the guy with the with, with, get his head mashed in multiple times to where there was, like, nothing to mash anymore, you know? But, but I think I think the the most uncomfortable scene to me was seeing the her family on the rocks where the two to uh or the the elders jumped off so Mm -hmm. do you remember which scene i'm talking about i think her parents were laying down to the left of the rock and the right of the rock and then her sister was in the center yes i complete i do remember what you're saying because like even just that whole scene where they're showing like the police coming into their house like after they've been you know murder suicided yeah that's even like that's super uncomfortable because like the rest of what happens is uncomfortable but because like that's such a like american thing that happens oh yeah it is just like something that we don't want to think about it's just like oh it's so uncomfortable and then like the scene directly after where she's just openly sobbing into christian's lap for like by the way uh mentioning that sorry to interrupt you but 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 no you're fine she that her sobbing is that was the best like crying and acting that i have like ever seen (laughs) it was just so real it was so feral i don't know how she can cry like that she like wheezes when she cries while acting like she's just uh, oh it was it was rough yeah no, honestly, kind though, of, and I mean, she does it a couple other times to the movie where, like, the emotions are so raw and real, and I think maybe it's kind of emotionally stark because, like, in the in the community, like, the people there, they like, they have expressions and, like, they get like, you know, upset or whatever, but you don't see that type of outburst there, so it's kind of like uh, it, it's kind of like an outlier in the film, almost. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just, it's weird in the film to see how they'll kind of reflect the emotions back at people, but they don't generate them themselves. You know how, like, Danny will get really upset and then the people around her get really upset like reflecting the energy back at her like they're trying to experience it together as a group rather than as individuals which is like again like fleshing out that world and fleshing out the characters right right completely i completely agree with what you're saying and to kind of tie everything that we're talking about together uh, a major reaction from a lot of people that i've read about this film is uh if you don't understand how danny was completely groomed and picked to come here and become part of this cult congrats you probably would join a cult if they lured you yeah no there was definitely a lot going on in the background there and i mean they kind of throw it out in the open at the end how like uh pele kind of gets props at the the ceremony for like hey this is all possible because you you know brought these people back to us you know like all that that type of stuff but yeah early on you can tell and at first you kind of think like oh maybe pele kind of has a thing for danny or maybe he kind of like you know uh is feeling for her or like whatever and it, you know maybe he is but like really it was to get all these people here yeah you know honestly that was the main goal 
when I was, like I said, I watched this movie with some friends and one of my friends brought up a good point. Um, up till the point of when they she comes into the apartment whenever they're planning and Christian's like, hey, by the way, she's coming with us to like Sweden as she's like coming in the door, right? Um, she comes in, sits down and she asks Pele what he's drawing. And he says, oh, nothing, just the table, right? And it's like actually him drawing the table in his sketch pad. And my friend says, is that the first time someone has told her the truth in this movie so far? Ooh. Like 20 minutes into the movie. And Ooh. it literally was. Oh, like, God. That's that hurts. Yeah, but that's yeah. so like th that again. That's such, that's such what a I'm detail. saying. Like that's that's why that's why I thought like at the end. That's why that sense of like relief because Pele has been there and he he wished her a happy birthday, and was like really remorseful with her after even like he who came to comfort her after seeing the elders die and jump off. Not Christian. And Pele, Pele came and sat down and talked to her. You know. Yeah. And, and to so him, so, that's so not he's like kind of grooming her, I guess. But like he, like to join the cult. But like he is being the only family that. She she has at that point like the only person that can actually help her because like even she went to go talk about like talk to christian about um her th those two people leaving the british people um i can't forget the, for, i keep i'm horrible with names but the two british people that um the other guy brought in and they they went missing because they said that they drove the boyfriend to the um to the station to leave and then they just left the other girl when in reality they both died but she went to go talk to christian like hey he just left her and then christian's like oh that's kind of crazy anyway starts talking to the elder about incest or something like mm -hmm. like he just writes her off it, it's... And then later on he says or she says you know it seems like you might have done that to me like there's like a serious breakdown in the relationship there oh yeah and i was almost expecting them to get in some kind of like shouting match there at the table but instead of getting in a shouting match he's eating puke cake yeah also did you see the drink did you notice yeah. oh yeah on, yeah, on yeah, your yeah, first yeah. okay 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 i didn't was this your, your first time watching it right this was my first time okay. watching it yeah I, w I was i was just trying to notice because uh, uh, um I didn't notice it the first time until like someone mentioned it and then a lot of my friends didn't notice the discoloration in the drink you know what actually so. I say this is my first time watching it I uh this is my first time watching it front to back this happens a lot but in this movie in particular I'd seen probably a total of 40 minutes of the movie in two different chunks including that scene so funny you should mention that because yes this is my first time watching the movie but no it's not my first time seeing that scene okay specifically. okay 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 but yeah no <laughs> that, that entire fake tapestry was uncomfortable mm -hmm. <laughs> that was uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> nasty, glad nasty. we don't do things like that anymore but anyway um who's we? if you guys who's yeah. we who's i still we? do Jesus Christ, I, you know if i can make a love potion i would <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just as good a place to bring a landing to everything. Um, thank you so much, Tim, for coming onto our podcast. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Hello. Uh, thank you for, I don't know why I said hello, I guess, <laughs> but goodbye, I guess, if this is the end. Um, you guys can find me over at the Mother-in-Law Suite on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, I just kind of talk about stuff that interests me or anything that's on my mind. It can be anything from uh, video games to media like this or to the impending doom of the universe. You know, whatever's on my mind that day, that's what I'm talking about. Usually got some people on there too. Um, I think I think I think you guys are you guys are making your way over there sometime here soon. And I'm I'm ready to get into the nitty-gritty about you, you know, not these movies. Not these movies anymore. <laughs> I want to see what you what makes you guys tick, you know. How much oh. did you make at the box box office? <laughs> Very excited. It's not yeah. a lot. Not a slam dunk oh, no. success. It's more of a poultry guy situation, really. Yeah. He's he's tried to take our masks off, Jeff. 
John. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. We're, we're definitely going to be coming onto Tim's podcast. I'm looking very forward to that. Um, it be it'll be interesting doing a podcast not talking about movies. So I'm definitely very interested in that. Uh, as far as us, you can find us at, at Inflammation for You basically anywhere. Um, I know I keep teasing it. We're working on maybe TikTok, maybe something else. If you guys have a place you want to see us, let us know. Uh, you know, you can send us a letter by owl, however you want to do that. I don't give a shit. Just get the information to us. But uh, that's going to do it for us here at For Your Inflammation. Uh, my, I'm Zach Graham. And I'm John Kaplan. I'm, I'm Tim. I'm Tim. I'm sorry. I'm Tim. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> watch a new movie this week, guys. Uh, watch a new cult movie. Do whatever you want. Just watch something new. Don't watch The Office again. Just watch something. All right. See ya. Have a good one.